This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We continue on our 25 years series this week, joined by one of the guests I've really been looking forward to, John Eisenberg. And John, you've been around the Ravens forever, certainly for their whole history. And I realize how scarce that is now after doing the series. A lot of people, 2010, 2011, they first got involved with the team. God, 2010, 2011, I was already old. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely go back to the very beginning and, uh, I go back to the parking lot uh, there in the baseball stadium where, you know, Art Modell was standing there and Paris Glendinning and the, the franchise was born. And uh, yeah, so no, the very beginning and the, the, the expansion, the fight over expansion to get a team here in the first place that failed and led to them coming here. No, I, was, I chronicled it all. Yeah. We had uh, we had Joe Platania on to talk about the the search for the team, and that was a really great episode. Joe's another guy who's been around the whole time. Sure. Uh, but but you have a really important topic that you spent a lot of time on as a writer and as a podcast producer. I know in terms of putting together uh, what happened to some players after they left the game. So uh, we're calling this uh, you know the best of times. We're, we're working on a title still, but we'll have it out there obviously by the time you're listening to this about players transitioning out of the NFL and and what happened to a lot of them but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that and start where you like John and I'll ask questions well the Ravens came to me I mean I'm on the digital media team there and they came to me a few years ago and said we'd really like you to do a podcast uh, uh, you know what what do you want to do 
And and as you said, Ken, you know, you had said, they said, you know, you've been around and you know a lot of these guys. And I, it just came to me one day that uh, it's so interesting. Uh, we all have this. And that is what happened to these guys when they're done uh, playing football? I mean, we cheer for them. We feel like we know them. We feel like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're everything to us. And then suddenly they're just gone. And, and you do lose track of what happened to them. So I thought, hey, let's just keep it simple. Let's name the podcast. What happened to that guy? And let me go find out what happened to some of these guys. And so I did that. I did it for two years. Uh, and chased down as many stories as I could. There are 16 episodes. Uh, I'm not having year three currently this fall, but uh, uh, there may be more uh, because there's a lot of interest in it. It performed really well, and it was it was really fascinating for me. It's like a detective story. It, there's really like one detective story after the other. Uh, you, you just said, I love that. I mean, I write books. I, you know, I love going down a rabbit hole of research and, and finding what, out what happened, and and uh, it, it's just endlessly interesting to me. And there, there's so many. I think there's uh, over 600 former Ravens. Wow. So do you have that, good address information on that within the organization that you're able to contact them easily? Uh, yeah, pretty easily. Uh, yes, I, I did. I mean, the marketing department has a database and uh, I mean, it's not perfect. Uh, they have emails and some cell phones. And that's not to say that they always respond. It, it depends. A lot of these guys, you know, everybody got almost all those 600 got cut. So, you know, that's how it ended. So some of them handled that well and and uh, and uh, some of them didn't. Uh, I was going to do an episode on just an example of one. The first snap in Ravens history, I was going to do an episode. And this is one that didn't make it. And Steve Everett was the center and Vinny Testaverde was the quarterback. And, of course, Everett famously, as we came to learn, was wearing a Cleveland Browns bandana under his helmet at the first <laughs> snap of Ravens history. And he was bitter about the move, like, you know, some people were, certainly a lot of people in Cleveland were. So I reached out to both those guys, nothing but crickets. So hmm. that one didn't happen. I would have loved it. They're both characters. But uh, so you didn't always hear back from people. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've had some some things like that happen over the years. But I interviewed Ed Sutter, and I don't remember if you remember the guy. The guy's a linebacker. He lost his job to Ray Lewis in '96. He was thinking he might have been a starter, you know, coming to Baltimore. Um, but anyway, he's he's working in Peoria now as an insurance agent. And the interesting thing was he lost his job as a as a. Um, uh, a little league baseball player to Jim Tomei at shortstop. And then he lost his job oh, to Ray Lewis, but he that's had great. four consecutive plays at one point, Ed Sutter had where he had a stop for zero yards at the one yard line. Exactly. So once was, was uh, Terrell Davis uh, in, in Denver. And that was in that 45, 34 loss. And then the next week, three in a row on Lawrence Phillips, to the goal line against the Rams. So, uh, it, yeah, interesting story to tell. Yeah. I, I, but you, I want to get back to the transitions now for, for a bit. And, and you, you mentioned how difficult it is for players. Let's talk about some of the elements because these guys obviously have, you know, in for all, the entirety of history, they, they certainly are coddled coming to the, to the leagues. They have agents, they have all kinds of support system on them and then they leave the game and, and things change, don't they? They change a lot. And I think if anything was driven home to me in the course of doing that podcast over two years, that was it, how hard it was. Uh, uh, Peter Boulware, I did an episode on him. And then now here's a guy that has his act together. Mm-hmm. All right. He's in, he's in the Ravens ring of honor. But, uh, you know, he, he, he came to the Ravens. He's a son of educators. 
you know, he was a, a sharp guy. He was careful with his money. He got out healthy and just as a level head, an adult from the very beginning. And so he gets out with, with money and fame and all that. And even he said, it brought me to my knees. You know, all I've ever done since I was a kid was play football and have people cheer for me and people root for me and stop me on the street. And suddenly it's just over. And uh, it just really knocked him for a loop. And, and he said, it's, it's not that I need that, but just it's very dramatic. I mean, you go from that to nothing. And uh, he said, I can guarantee you every person you talk to for this podcast will have the same experience because it's just something we all share. And that is you're, you're thrown into the fire, you're in the crucible, you're put on a pedestal and you're, you're lauded and loved and then that's gone and you're, you're on your own and you're a young man still. And it's like, what, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I always ask those guys from, from the very beginning of this podcast, were, did you think about it when you were playing? what you were going to do after football. And I got a range of answers, but more than not, I got, nope, I did not think about it. I was just, I was just living, uh, living life and having fun. So a lot of them are unprepared. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And so you, we, I think a lot of people are going to be familiar with the physical uh, element of this, but certainly feel free to talk about that. I, I've heard from former players that the financial change is always a hard one, that, you know, you're going from, uh, you know, having a, a salary that is, you know, certainly at least in the mid six figures, going down to having a, a, a salary where you're, you're, you know, starting out maybe at a, a normal $40,000, $50,000 a year job. It's a huge misconception. I mean, the, the average salary is high in the NFL, but that is pulled up by Tom Brady and mm-hmm. and uh, all the big contracts. And a lot of guys, yeah, I mean, they make six figures for a short period of time. X percent is taken out by taxes, another X percent taken sure. out by their agent. And so many of them say, you know, there's uh, friends and family get their hands in their pockets and, you know, they get out and maybe a year later, that, that money's gone. And it's like, you better hold on to some of it and prepare and they're young like a lot of young people in their 20s especially early 20s they have a hard time planning preparing for the future financially they just can't do it Uh, i did a segment with matt stover and that's that's really all we talked about was how he was the player rep and he said i would just lecture guys over and over you know uh, join the 401k, you know, yeah. do this or giving your money. And the vast majority of them just said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I got, I got cars to buy. So <laughs> it was, it was, so uh, the financial element is, is very hard. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's uh, something, I mean, I, I, I've talked to other players who, who seem to have it together. Wally Richardson, who was the punter uh, for the 2000 team had uh, a title company he started, but you know, he was like, you know, it's hard. It's a big transition in terms of, of earnings, but you, you, you mentioned the attention component of, it, and maybe that's the bigger deal that, you know, especially now with social media, these guys get even more direct attention from the fans, the ability to like turn the faucet on and off when they want to respond. You know, if you want to be Marlon Humphrey and talk to the fans a lot, that's, that's great. If you don't, you can shut that off, but you can still look at your Twitter handle and gain that self affirmation of, of people loving you. Yes. You can be Marlon Humphrey. If you want to tweet about your cat and you're a good player, (laughs) people will interact with you and they'll love it. But five years removed from your playing career, you tweet about your cat 
uh, people, you're going to give one one hundredth of the attention. Yeah. So you enjoy it while you have it. Uh, and uh, they all said that, you know, and some of them, a lot of them missed it. Some of them didn't, you know, they were ready to move on. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of them did, I think it's just like anything. What don't we all, we all, you know, not everybody loves attention, but, uh, you know, it does reinforce your self image. And, and so for a, a lot of them, that's a struggle. Just, uh, suddenly several years out, uh, you feel very much, you're not on a team anymore. You miss your players. You're not making as much money and, uh, you know, no one cares as much what you say or do so it's a it's a it's a time in their life it's a real transition so i i you talked about peter bulware and he is someone who i've always been very impressed with obviously as a player and we all have been but uh i met him at an event uh, a sweet holder event a few years after and he had a car dealership he was just starting his political career i believe at the time uh it's it's really hard to imagine a guy like that having trouble after football i know uh, that, that's why and he didn't i mean relatively speaking uh compared to, i i did a, a, an episode on jermaine lewis who super bowl hero definitely had problems and he had he had uh, physical issues uh, you know, I think he, he, he dealt with some head trauma and a lot of hits and, and he was really lost at sea for a while and had some troubles with the law and was very forthcoming talking about it. Peter Bulwer had none of that. He'd say he was fine, but, uh, he just sort of cast around. He, he, he couldn't figure out they're, they're so confident in what they do playing football. And then they're starting from scratch and some, like he got into politics, as you mentioned, well, and he lost a race and, and he said, I don't think I want to do that. So he's uh, he's on to something else. He had gotten involved with a car dealership, and now he's a VP, and 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 so he had that going for him. But what his his life's work, as it turns out, was uh, he started a school. He started a uh, a, a Christian school, and uh, you know it uh, it has been very successful. So. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, I think he's 10 years in now and uh, it's gone really well. And so that's going to be his legacy more than anything else. It's uh, one of the things we hear about uh, about players after they leave the game is they often uh, go through marital troubles, personal problems, get divorced. And then one of the really sad things that comes out of that is, you know, the wife wants half of everything he owns. And of course, that includes all his memorabilia. And then a lot of that ends up going up for sale. Everything they had that were personally important to them, the footballs, the, the, the jerseys, sometimes Super Bowl rings. Uh, did you run into anybody who'd had that happen to them in their 16, in the 16 you did? I'm trying to think. Uh, divorce. I mean, you know, the guy, they weren't real talkative about that. So maybe not. Uh, I know it happens. It certainly happens. And you certainly see Super Bowl rings and things come out on the market. And uh, that's usually how it happens. Uh, but uh, that, that's one thing I didn't run into. But I, I know it's a very common problem mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for a lot of them. Well, you ran into Jamal. I know he sold his Tennessee rings and his Super Bowl ring. And, and uh, you know, we've heard about that with Jamie Sharper. I think it happened. And uh, anyway, it, it's it's certainly happened. But if they were not if they're not talking about it, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, how about other things just in terms of, of a search for purpose and whatnot? Did you run into people who just had difficulty deciding what they really wanted to do after football? Yeah, there was a real range. Like, for instance, Trevor Price, 
who's a nice defensive lineman, very underrated defensive lineman for many years, almost 100 career sacks, great player, settled in this area. I was, he just completely blew. He knew what he wanted to do. Trevor Price, super creative, smart, mm-hmm. literate guy, uh, you know, started writing uh, started writing a script. You know, he started writing this net uh, series about superhero frogs in the outback in Australia. <laughs> and he ends up, Netflix picks it up. And he goes from that to um, becoming sort of, uh, the head of an animation studio on the East Coast that's affiliated with MICA. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's really gotten into the film industry, basically. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it in Baltimore. There's just not that much of that, you know, just... Uh, he, he still in, lives here? Yeah, yeah. I interviewed him at the castle. And, uh, you know, just a great guy, unbelievably creative and successful guy. So no problem there for him knowing what he wanted to do. But a lot of guys, yes, were definitely struggling with, you know, what, what's next? What, what do I want to do? Uh, Tom Zibikowski, the defensive back, still didn't know. He still didn't know when I talked to him, he had gotten back into boxing, which he was doing. uh, And he had become uh, a firefighter in Chicago for a couple of years, just to say he did it. He liked the super fit, you know, sort of challenging. I think he missed the thrill. And, and so he did that for a couple of years. Uh, but then he, he quit. It was going well, but he quit. He, so he, he was still searching for that. And a lot of guys were searching. I, I interviewed Kyle Bowler. It was the most listened to Episode, understandably, controversial figure, not controversial, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Kyle Bowler. And he was a guy that, you know, his Baltimore career didn't turn out great, but he did play 10 years in the NFL as a quarterback and signed a bunch of contracts, uh, one-year contracts, and he had made some money. That's what happens, you know, a modern football player, and he was smart with his money, nice guy. And uh, he was he's living in uh, San Diego, Southern California, with a beautiful wife and two kids. And uh, he's been retired for a while. And he did a uh, he had started a bar like a, a granola bar, his own brand. And that worked for a while. And it didn't. He quit that. And he didn't really know what to do. He, he wasn't real unhappy about it. He made enough money. He was playing a lot of golf. But uh, he he so he he was still not sure. What to do? Oh, I've done some real estate, he said. I started this bar. It was really, it was like getting your MBA, you know, going through that. So uh, he experienced it, but he didn't know. I, I think a, a fair, I would say the majority of them are like, okay, what's next? They, they don't have a clear vision of what's coming next. And I think that's why it's so hard for them. All right. And let's talk about maybe even pre-transition when they're just in their last years in the NFL. I mean, I certainly noticed this at camp that certain players, Terrell Suggs was, oh boy, was he this way. Anthony Levine is another guy I really see it in. Is They know they love playing football. They know the end is coming. And they're already pre-concerned almost about what's going to happen next and loving every moment of their time on the field. They definitely love it, yes. And you can see it now with Calais Campbell, too, for sure, on a daily basis. And, of course, uh, in, in 2021, he's playing at a very high level yeah. still and, and, and just loving it, just loves football. You can just tell. 
And so he may not quite be done, but he's he, he sort of hinted at it. We'll see how that goes. But he, he's definitely at 35. You're enjoying it. Yes, I mean, there, there is what's interesting. I don't think fans see this as much, but there's a huge when you have an, a, a range of ages on a team, you've got 22 year olds and 35 year olds. Uh, you've got really sort of or 20, 20 year olds. Uh, how old was Patrick Queen when he was drafted? I think yeah. he was 20. Uh, so, you know, you've got a, someone who's really all, just out of high school. And, and, and then you've got Clay's Campbell, who's a man, who's an adult, mm-hmm. or, you know, or Suggs in the last years. Uh, older guys that are have that sort of almost middle-aged approach to life where they're very much aware of, of things coming and going. Mm-hmm. So it's a big range. And uh, certainly the young people aren't thinking about what they're going to do next. They're just hoping to have careers. But uh, the, the old guys appreciate everything, uh, playing football. And, um, you know, they want to keep going uh, until it becomes clear that that they can't and what they all talk about kelly Gregg talked about this when i did an episode on him what they miss they don't <laughs> kelly Gregg, of course an all-time fan favorite you yep. undersized defensive lineman who just and he said i don't miss it at all i don't miss playing football said you know i got my bell rung every sunday and you know it was like a mud fight and and you know i was hurt and i was sore i don't miss any of it uh, which kind of cracked me up. He was the ultimate gamer. You know, he figured, oh, he wanted to play when he's 50 years old. He said, nah, really, you know what? I heard I don't, I don't want to play anymore. But he said, I do miss the locker room. I miss that. This is something I heard from all of them. I miss the locker room, the brotherhood, having teammates, uh, just the give and take, the fun, uh, the going into Pittsburgh where there's, you know, 70,000 people cheering against you and, you're the villains. Uh, you know, they love that. Yeah. And and so they all miss that. He misses that horribly. Yeah. All right. Is, is there a, a player, and you mentioned Price already, and obviously we've talked about Bullwear, but is there a player in, in Ravens history that you can point to and say, this is this is a model for not only maybe what you do after you leave football, but how you prepare for it. I've got one guy in mind who just has an amazing resume. Boy, I wish I had his resume. Uh, Dominique Foxworth comes to yeah. mind as a guy who really put it together after football. Dominique Foxworth is tremendous, you know, sharp guy and uh, has, uh, I believe he was, uh, was he in law school? I can't remember if he was when he was playing. See, I, I want to say he went to, he went to Harvard for yeah. to get his MBA. And I don't yeah. remember where, where, where he got his, uh, where he finished his undergrad degree anyway. I'll tell you who knocked me out, out of, uh, of these episodes uh, Chris Carr, the Nickelback, yep, from the mid two thousand, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. He is now an immigration attorney, uh, and so he's he's an attorney based in Northern Virginia, and he deals with uh, you know uh, trying to help people get their visas, and and uh, he deals with re- day after day wrenching, wrenching stories of people that maybe have fled. Uh, uh, situations in Central and South America uh, where their families are, you know, fleeing like gang violence and they, they've, they're here illegally and uh, they're trying to gain legal status and he tries to help them. He's learned how to speak Spanish. Uh, and, you know, he was a real fun-loving guy when, when he was here. He, he was uh, funny and, and all that. But, boy, after football, he was very clear in what he wanted to do. He, 
he, he had uh, taken pre-law at Boise State, and he knew he wanted to become an attorney, and he goes to law school, uh, GW Law School, mm-hmm. and uh, so a real good law school, and he's there and just sort of falls into this uh, uh, immigration uh, sort of channel, you know, the, that, that's the channel, the avenue that he took in, in, in law. And so it's a guy that just got out of football, didn't look back, and was fortunate to have a bit of money and to have his health and to have his feet on the ground and a purpose very quickly. Mm-hmm. So he just was immediately, football was over. He finished, I think, with the Saints. Uh, football was over and on to the next. And he was able to, to transition into a real purpose, having a purpose in life. You, you just can't do it any better than that. I mean, he's not, he's not in Congress or, you know, he's not, he's not writing for Netflix, but uh, he has gone, the, the second act of his life is fantastic. I was just so impressed. I went to see him. Uh, he was uh, trying a case downtown Baltimore and he said, come on, you know, just come on down. It's a, I mean, I was the only visitor in the court other than the family and the judge looks at me about halfway through and says, who, wh- who are you? And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and I said, well, I'm with the Ravens. He goes, what are you doing here? And so Chris, who it never comes up ever, it never comes up. And plus he's about my size and I am not a big guy. And so Chris Carr looks at the judge and says, I played for the Ravens. And the judge just stopped and said, you played for the Ravens? You did not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And how long were you, you know, he says, I was in the NFL for 10 years. And so, uh, you know, a guy that has put it behind him, it it doesn't come up. But uh, what a a story. You know, I was just so impressed with him. And. Uh, he won his case, by the way, the day I was there. So he felt, he felt really good about that. That's good. That had to help. I feel the merits of the case also. (laughs) Uh, John, it has to be real fun to write these stories, uh, you know, from your perspective. I would, I would just think, you know, I always enjoy interaction with, with players or ex players, anybody that can give us a little bit of inside football on our show. Uh, but, but it's gotta be a ton of fun to write these stories, particularly the successful ones after the fact. Yeah, well, well, it was a new discipline for me. I mean, I've been writing forever, and uh, I think I've written, uh, you know, I toted it up roughly. It's like, you know, I've written 10 books and like close to 5,000 columns, and and suddenly they were saying, uh, you know, and then I'm writing suddenly a script. It's a script. These were scripted segments. These were not just interviews. It was a storytelling podcast. Uh, I interviewed the guy, and then I wrote a script. I, I interviewed Billick. I interviewed other people to comment on them. I interviewed Chris Card's boss at the law firm. And so I would go and sort of approach it journalistically and, and get all the tape and get everything together and then write a script. So I was writing a script uh, and uh, it was a real challenge, brand and long. These are 5,000, 7,000 words. Um, and so it was very time consuming and uh, just a new style of writing. So I thought I'd seen everything, but I hadn't. And so I, I, I really enjoyed that a lot. And uh, it was a real challenge. I'd love to see that comeback. And I think Ravens fans always want to know that their players are, are, uh, are doing well. The people they cheered for on the field are still have, are, are doing well off the field. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. John, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This is, this is a, a great treat to talk about the, these Ravens things. It just uh, rec- very extemporaneous here. You're, you're very facile with it. And uh, uh, this, this is the kind of thing I think people love. Great. Well, I appreciate it. Oh, glad to come on and, uh, you know, I enjoy the stuff you do. So it's, it's fun to be part of it. All right. Folks out there, if you're looking to do a 25 years episode with me, hit me up with a couple bullet points on Twitter. Just tell me what you have in mind. Narrow us the topic that we can get into you know, deeply within about 20 minutes, the better. Uh, John, thanks again for coming on. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.